You are now tuned in on Radio Free Podcast. The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Today's message is called Love One Another. When we look at uh, persecution today, particularly since the alarms are going off worldwide in regard to the highest rate of persecution recorded in history was registered even this past week. And so there's more and more person going on and there's also more and more of a movement being propagated that we all need to love one another. So we're going to examine do unsaved people, people do not have the indwelling life of Jesus Christ, we're going to evaluate whether they even have the capacity to love. Welcome, podcast listeners. We certainly welcome you personally to the Post-Truth Podcast. Our topic today is going to be loving one another. Now, any of you that took the opportunity to listen to the National Day of Prayer broadcast that was done, I believe it was on Daystar, and you can certainly still watch it by downloading the the recorded version. But during that time, the nationaldayofprayer.org group of people launched this year-long mission in its title, Love One Another. Excellent objective. Most of the speakers that we listened to, as well as the prayers that we heard coming from certain leaders that prayed during the National Day of Prayer ceremony, Jane and I observed the focus of most of those speakers being in Christ. So it's not only finishing your prayers with, in Jesus' name I pray. There seems to be a new education that's creating a transformation about praying in Jesus and through Jesus. We're taking a few weeks to tackle some of the details behind what we observed as the answer for 2019 for United States of America, and that is to love one another. We're going to talk about, well, what does it look like for an unsaved person to love one another? Or is it even possible? We're going to talk about the fake Christians. These are the people running around saying they love God, but they they hate their brother, they hate the preacher. There may be some of you listening right now say, I just hate this guy. I say, turn the podcast off. Why are you listening to me? See, we need to talk about that group, those brethren, so to speak, who say they're of the church, and are they capable of loving one another? And then we're also going to be talking about loving one another as true and well believers. What does that look like? So this topic is more than just be nice to your neighbor. This topic is a little bit more than... than Love your neighbor as yourself. There's a message, a root message that is deep down inside, beneath 
the trendy message of love one another. And we need to take a look at it. So today we're going to discover the answer to this question. The question is, do you know how to love someone who hates you? And worse yet, someone who tries to kill you. Just here in our local listeners, and all you have to do is raise your hand, how many of you have been through an experience where someone tried to kill you? Three of us. The feelings that, human feelings that come with someone trying to kill you are really beyond what words can express. You can't define that level of fear. You can't define that level of phobic feeling. You can't get out of this situation. And what the person does at that moment when they're put at what they call gunpoint, what happens at that moment? Do you press into the gun? You guys here locally have heard my story of the gangster in Hutchinson who held me at gunpoint said he was going to kill me, had the pistol drawn and pointed right between my eyes, and there was my moment again. I've had several of those throughout my Christian life, ministry, but here was my latest one. What do I do? There's this gun pointed at me with threat. It was obviously he was enraged with anger that was beyond his control. And I'm standing here in his home getting ready to lead a Bible study that his wife put together. And of course he wanted me out of the house. I pressed into the gun. I put that gun right on my forehead and I pushed enough for him to feel it. And I said, you do what you got to do. But I am speaking the word of God tonight. And a couple of the other gangster guys came around, calmed him down, said, it's okay, we want him here, we invited him here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, that guy later became a true converted indwell believer in Christ. The worst, most aggressive one became the highest candidate for love one another. Those of you who have had to face gunpoint, so to speak, in your life, you understand the true answer to this question. You know how it feels. You know how it challenges the belief system. So our subtitle or summary before we even get started is simply this. To live is to be willing to die. Now, if you're listening as a church, listening to the podcast, or you're listening in the privacy of your own home or driving down the road, you might have to make a mental note of this. But those of you who have a pencil and a piece of paper, I want you to write this down. It's either a no, that is N-O, or yes, that is Y-E-S. Are you willing to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Not tomorrow, not next month, not two years from now, or ultimately that's how I'd like to go. Today, are you willing to die, to be shot, to be tortured, to have your fingernails pulled out, 
to be burned one finger at a time until there's nothing left of you. There's horrid stories of what Jesus Christ himself allowed for those who said, yes, I'll die today. Today's a good day to die for the gospel. I don't know this for sure, but I have pretty good intuition with Jesus and the Holy Spirit on most days. But I'm pretty sure that the lion's share of the Western culture will write yes, but they will not. They're liars. And that's the passage we're going to talk about today in our podcast. Don't say that you love God and hate your brother, for you are a liar and the truth is not in you. And he does not abide in you. How many of the average post-truth church people listening today, the propagators of post-truth, I have never talked to a post-truth person that has actually agreed with the agenda of the title of post-truth. Why? Because they believe they are propagating the truth. But if you nail them down to absolutes, what you're going to end up getting is violence. And that's why I believe that the most violent people on the face of the earth are peace protesters. Those who are pushing for peace, 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 peace on the earth. And if you hit them up with the real truth, the life of Jesus, and how you can actually have truth living inside you, they go violent on you. They call you names. They persecute you, insult you, distress you, because you are immovable with There is a twinkling moment in your life where you go from Adamic nature on its way to hell to spirit nature, the life of Christ inside you, and you're on your way to heaven. It's a twinkling moment. You don't grow in it. You don't grow up in it. You don't puset in it. It's not something you can memorize You can't get a theological degree on indwelled Christianity. It's impossible. It's a twinkle moment where you go from old to new. Now you're going to get the violence and the persecution and the distress from brethren. Not the ones out there who are saying Jesus Christ doesn't exist. I can talk to those guys and gals all day long. They don't seem to be bothered by me. It's the post-truth propagators who really believe that they're propagating truth. These are the brethren that John is referring to in this passage we're going to be talking about real soon. So here's our four points of light. These are the key doctrines we need to keep intact with our message today and The first one is to love one another. And if you want to write that Bible verse down, that's John 13, 34. The second one is to love your enemies. That's Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45. Third one is God is love. 
That's 1 John 4.20. And then the last one, which is the most unpopular one, and that is love is to suffer. And that is 2 Corinthians 12.10. True love only has one test to it. Suffering. It's what you do when you're in the middle of the suffering. Do you whine and complain? Do you do out of sight, out of mind that you're not really suffering? You're not really being persecuted? You're not really whatever? You can do all the emergent things you want to camouflage it, stick it in a closet, lock the closet door, but the facts are you're refusing to let love be tested. God tests whom he loves. Have you ever heard that verse? Have you ever looked at it that way before? God tests whom he loves. The type of love we have thrown around in our emergent culture today isn't about, God, please test to make sure that this love thing I've got is really love. No, we don't want to do that. So even I put it on the bottom so I don't offend anyone until the last 10 minutes of the podcast. But it's the tough one. Let's take a look at our bullet points for today. That's what the article is about that you are just finished reading and you've clicked on this podcast to follow it. Or if you want to get a hold of that article, if you look at the PDF connected to this podcast, that article will be there for you. There's a lot of details I can't cover in this podcast today. There was one other time that I was put in a position of ministering to a serial killer, and that was Ted Bundy. And I'm talking about directly ministering to him. Two of us were assigned to it. And we started sharing the gospel with him. Of course, he was in major lockdown, and make a very long story short, he ended up receiving Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. The two of us got a letter from Ted Bundy, and there was this long explanation of the so-called Christians refused to share the gospel with me and thank the two of us for sharing the gospel with him. Of course, we shared the indwelling gospel. I know that I know I'm going to be spending time with Ted Bundy in heaven. And the recorded stuff that that man did to his victims... Any true believer that has this reception thing going on between God and themselves is called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's called the phone. It's the antenna. And God the Father has this perfect time appointed for this person to find salvation. And before that guy put that gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger, there is no human on the face of the earth that can convince me that God could not have met that man there at that moment and said, stop. Only God knows. And that's fine with me. But I will not be one of these post-truth wannabe Christians walking around the community saying, what an evil man that man was. And you're not. Or you weren't? Is your sins better than his? 
of murder? And as some of you have already noticed in the article, I said there are more murderers in heaven than there are pew-sitters, you emergent believers. There are larger numbers of self-proclaimed Christ followers than there are of murderers who God met them at their deathbed and said, today's the day that you have a choice. And to have the power of true indwelt believers connected with God, praying that unto him at that moment, you think that that mere man could resist saying, Christ, I love you, you're the son of God, I receive you, but I can't live this life. That's none of my business. That's the business of the Lord, to truly authentically answer the question whether he's in the pit of Hades right now or if he's at the core of heaven is not my business to state it. But I'll tell you what my faith says. And I know that I know I was not the only believer God picked out and said, pray now. And if there was just one who said, yes, Lord, and and didn't even have time to text Jesus back and say, I'm on it. But bam, prayed right now for that moment that God was aware of. I love murderers. They're passionate. They're life or death. The ones that I struggle with in life the most are the liars. The ones who say they love God and hate their brothers. And John himself called them liars. And the truth is not in you. That's the test of God is love. When we look at the Matthew 5 passage where Jesus himself is saying these words. And he's saying, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Well, having bullets come at you, I would probably think that's persecution and distress and difficulties. But who really out there is saying what it says in 2 Corinthians and that is, For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But the real question would be, for Christ's sake, in that weakness, were you strong? You see, that is the test. It's the proof. Jesus just finished an entire chapter after his famous sermon on the mount, he gets into this practical stuff and ends this chapter, even though he didn't write in chapters or those write in chapters who wrote about him. He ends this communication from God to these people with, oh, by the way, if someone slaps you, Slap him back. Remember when he said that? That is not what he said. That is not what he said. 
If someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. If someone takes your coat, Give me your underwear too. If someone forces you to go one mile, do not resist him who is evil. I don't care how evil this man is. There's nothing he can do. Nothing. He needs the Lord. There's only one other father I know can meet that kind of pain. And you know he was suffering it. Whatever his past was, the pain that that man had, God knew about it. He understood it. And he wanted to use that pain to transform his life. And he needed just a few good men slash women to get that text and and go, oh my. And not even have time to dialogue and argue with God over it. And just meet him there in the spirit and believed that moment that mind would melt to the power and influence of salvation. So I can't give you the proof in the pudding because the pudding is in a whole different land that I have not gone to yet. So it's left to faith. Individual positions and conditions today is really the definition of love in the world today. What's your condition? Are you one of these homosexuals? What's your position with the new laws that are being passed on dropping the age of marriage down to 13? What's your condition? Is is it because you have to have young flesh to marry? You see, position and condition is behind every cultural issue in the world today. And so what love becomes is you meet people who are like-minded in your position and condition. So when you meet someone who is a grand stander, supporter of the gay movement, it's typically because they are gay, they have a brother that's gay, they have a sister that's a lesbian, they have an uncle that's a lesbian. You see what I'm saying? They were faced with whether they're going to love and accept their relative or friend. So what happens is they exchange the idea, the true love of God and God is love, for an idea of love. It would be better for you to say, I accept my gay brother. Don't say love. Because you're proving your ignorance of what true love is. Now here is the irony behind God is love. Versus man's view of what love is. Which is position and condition acceptance. The primary thing that the post-truth church suffers with today is what? There's no real convictions anymore. Now, underneath this lukewarm way of functioning as a church, they have adopted, probably formulated their own view of what love is. 
the best word they should be using that is in the English vocabulary is acceptance, not love. You see, it is okay to to accept a homosexual person, for example. There's one gentleman in this community that pretty much everyone knows his or her position on this whole gay movement thing. And I can honestly say before the living God himself, face-to-face, staring in his eyes, I've accepted this young man without any conditions. And he knows it. The next question comes in, well, do you love him? No. Not with any love that I'm aware of. So now the next question for me comes, what do you really have to offer him then? God. Who is love? His need is so great, I, I can't meet it. His, my little expression of showing him I love him is not going to save him. The only thing that will save him is God, right? And the verse says God is what? So when he accepts God, he's going to get the love he needs that he's seeking in all the wrong places to get. So acceptance is a very different whole category all by itself. So don't say you love someone and then you break up with them the week later. Oh, this is the first guy that ever said I love you to me. And then you hear their story in their 50s. Oh, I had guys do that all my young... You see? How many people look at each other and say, I love you? And they're absolute liars. They're liars. Because true love never gives up. True love never has defeat. True love never. True love is just forever. <laughs> right? See, I can say to my my wife, I truly love her because we're going on into eternity together. It's never going to end. Our marriage is eternal. But when I say I love my dog, that's called stupidity. I enjoy my dog. Now, I don't think God gets upset if I, if I say I love my dog. He understands that kind of love because my dog gives affection back to me. I can guarantee if that dog, every time that dog walked into the room, came up and peed on my leg (laughs) and bit my hand, I wouldn't be saying, I love my dog. Do you understand that? So there's a difference worldwide of self-love. You can say, I love you to your dog or whatever, I love my car, because the object or person is bringing pleasure to you, self-love. Now, God as love is a whole different category. We need to take a look at it. Philippians 1, 15 through 17. To understand biblical theology, you start with the backside of the verse and you work it forward. If you really want to understand Bible passages, chapters, words, is you work them backwards. 
You first look at the conclusion or the result of what these so-called Christians were preaching out of envy and strife, which is at the beginning. If we start at the beginning, we'll debate over the ideology at the beginning. What was Paul's conclusion, results, and means in this verse? What did he say? I'm pointing out something very significant here. Her mind, which is healthy, grabbed a very, very powerful statement. But wasn't the conclusion. Wasn't Paul's motive being revealed here. There's only several words that reveals Paul's motive in what he said. And what is it again? You always start at the end. The end is right what is before the period. Yeah. That was his whole reason for making this statement. Now we're going to run to the front. You don't you don't get, you don't tackle the stuff in the middle, which is what Deborah's mind just did. Great stuff. Now we go to the beginning. Now I'm just taking a couple verses here to show you this. So the beginning of the passage says what? Some do preach Christ even of envy and strife and some of goodwill. We're coming out of the shoot here of Paul addressing a group of people who are preaching Christ. There you have your opening cow coming out of the chute. And then he blocks everything. I mean, if you just cut that out and put it with the, the end, you'd have a great sentence. But that's not what he's communicating here. Coming out of the chute saying, hey, there are teachers, great teachers of the gospel. Or literally translated out, preaching Jesus Christ. But this group is preaching with what? Envy and strife. Then he goes into a very, very, very disturbing Greek word. Self-ambition, which is demonic doctrines. James chapter 3. You Greek lovers, look it up yourself. Self-ambition is demonic doctrines. So that pretty much closes the case on this group that Paul is talking about. They're preaching Christ every Sunday, every Wednesday night, in their Bible studies. But you know, could these people really pass the test of God as love? Hmm, that is a good question. Let's take a look at 1 John, our primary passage that we have been referencing. And it is 1 John chapter 4 verse 20. And someone read that out loud for us. Okay, now that it's impossible for us to be able to do an online survey to capture 
the percentage of God lovers that are liars, right? Who knows this? You do? Oh, who knows the answer? Yeah. Who knows the answer? Only God knows the answer. Okay. God knows the heart. So that's none of our business. But what is being told to us here is this. I'm giving you guys a testing template. So there are those who say they love God, but they hate their brother. And if you think hate is holding a gun to someone's head, that's just the most obvious expression of hate. In fact, I would have the tendency to say the ones who are pointing the guns and have a gun at your head are the most needy ones. Push into it. They'll snap. How many Christians are really pushing into it instead of freaking out by fear? You're supposed to die for the gospel. This is your moment. Push in. But speak the true gospel as you do. You see, only God knows that number too. I'm glad I'm one of them. I'm glad I have been tested in this. And if I do get tested again, I I hope I press into the gun the next time and don't cower. I don't want to go out like the post-truth believers. I don't. I want to be hated, distressed, persecuted, and all those things, as you local people know, I already get. But it's just not the type of persecution we read about in Voice of the Martyrs, where they're burning portions of my body just to see me suffer. Well, that could happen someday. I don't know. The question as put before me is, do I really believe to live is to be willing to die? That, that's, that's the question I have to answer as an earthly, heavenly person in Christ Jesus in an earthly body. Listener, you have to answer that question. Will I truly die for the gospel today? Not tomorrow, not tonight. Right now. Do you need to have a mass killer come into your church and open fire on your congregation to see how everyone handles it? And to notice there was only two people in the congregation that approached the the mass killer and says, you know, you really need Jesus. And they shoot that person. And moments before they die, receive Jesus Christ before they pulled the trigger on themselves because of what they did. Oh, the gospel's not in that. Oh, no. You're going to see more murderers in heaven than you anticipated. Last minute, last second, last twinkle, salvations. Because some believers stepped up and said, you really need Jesus. Right now. And then they get shot. As in the case of the girl at Columbine. It's exactly what she did. 
I want to be with those people. Now, I know that everyone doesn't have that same kind of passion and desire, but I do. I want to be separate. I want to be different. I want to, I want to see the cutting edge of truth. I don't want the placid, normal, Jesus loves you and so do I. In God's name, what does that mean? And how many souls has it saved? Jesus loves you and so do I. How many liars have said that? And how many souls have been won because of that Christianized statement? No, God loves you. And I happen to be a part of God's love. And his love is loving you through me. But I am incapable of loving you, murderer, persecutor, abusive father, abusive mother. I'm incapable of loving you. There's nothing in me that can heal you. It's not the love of God that heals you. It is God who is love who heals you. The verse says, for God is love. He's the one that is the healer. Jesus was sent to demonstrate God's fulfilled law, which is love. So when God answers the ultimate question, oh, well, how can a God of love send people to hell? In fact, how could the majority on the wide road with so many people go to hell if God loves us? Because you have no clue what the meaning of love is. Love sends people to hell just as quick as it sends people to heaven. So that leaves me with a teacher to not ignore the reality that love includes very hard decisions that don't belong to me. I can't psychobabble them. I can't theologically study them. They are things of God that is his business. But this I do know. When Jesus' beloved friend and brother, not by blood, but by spirit, says these blunt things like, don't tell me that you love God, but you hate your brother. For you are a liar. And the truth, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the... It's a person. The truth does not live in you. It's not in you. Jesus isn't in you. Those two Do not go together. Hate and judgment on a brother and saying I love God. They don't go together in heaven. It ends up being the lukewarm church. And Jesus Christ himself spits that church right out of his mouth because they have mixed God's love with hatred and judgment. It's all mixed up in there, sealed and being sold on the market as Jesus loves you and so do I. Now some of you are going to send me a text message or an email and saying Jesus loves you. 
So do I. And I will accept it as humor. But I am not interested in whether Jesus loves me. I'm not. What I'm interested is in Jesus being released through me. And when that happens, I'm in on the love. I, I am in on it. I don't have to study it, analyze it, and, and go through this tedious process of discovering God's love. The release of God through me, through Christ Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is where I get to join in on God as love. I really hope that you join us in a couple of weeks as we unfold the triune love of God. Just to give you a little kicker in our closing. God is law. Jesus is grace. And the Holy Spirit means manifestation. You don't capitalize on one or the other. If you break the Trinity up in understanding God is love, I'm afraid you just might not make it into eternity with Christ. You don't mess with the Trinity. You just don't do it. Satan tried, and that was a foul mistake for him that had eternal damnation consequences forever. There is no redemption available for Satan, ever, because he tried to break up the Trinity. So we're going to pull all this together in messing with the Trinity with this new trendy movement called Jesus loves you and so do I. We need to look at the law, hell, fire, and damnation. We need to look at grace, life of Jesus, fulfilled the law, new covenant, new commandment. And then we need to look at how that works out through the Holy Spirit. Stand out and stand together by uniting passion with purpose. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.